You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Gosh, it's been an absolute delight for me and Chrissy to be with you, connecting with old friends, meeting new people. Thank you so much, uh, Craig, for having us. And we love this place very much, even after all these years, and are eager to keep the connection going. Monday, we met Jesus in the field. Yesterday, we met him in the boat. Today, we meet him on the mountain. Because when you come to church, if you're not going to meet Jesus and the grace and the forgiveness that he brings, then what's the point of church? There is none. That is the point of church, the absolution of sin's proclamation. That's why we're here. A month ago, uh, you may have seen that the singer Dua Lipa was on the Stephen Colbert show. And she turned the tables and interviewed Colbert and you probably know that Colbert is, a, is an outspoken Christian, is a Christian, is, is public about his faith. And so Lippa, uh, whose uh, fam- his family's English but Muslim, uh, asked him which rules over the other for Colbert, his faith or his comedy. And he said this, I think ultimately, being mortal, faith will win out in the end. I certainly hope when I get to heaven, Jesus has a sense of humor, though. Um, And speaking of humor, I'm going to give you a little church humor at the very beginning here just to get us going. Uh, There's a guy that was walking through a parking lot and he found uh, a $20 bill and he thought, wow, should I just take this? And he said to himself, well, what would Jesus do? And after pondering that question for a little bit, he said, I know, I'll turn it into wine. Colbert says that faith will win out in the end, and what he's saying is that Jesus wins out in the end. This is always true, but it feels especially important right now with our world in tumult. The war in the Ukraine lies heavy on our hearts. We're at the almost two-year mark of the still lingering, at least in my state, pandemic. People are weary right now. The mental health crises in the nation is skyrocketing. People are in need of real hope. We need to know that Jesus will, in fact, win in the end. Well, that's what we see on the mountain. That's what we see in Luke chapter 9, that very thing. So what happens? I'll set the scene. Jesus takes his three best friends up to the mountain top, and there he's transfigured. It's the transfiguration. That means that his clothes all of a sudden become dazzling white, and uh, the, uh, true, his true nature as the Son of God radiates from uh, his very being and his clothes. Now, um, then all of a sudden, while this is happening, Moses, long dead, of course, Elijah, long dead, of course, show up and they're talking to Jesus, as the text says, about his departure, meaning the cross when he goes to Jerusalem. Now, They talk in their business, apparently accomplished. Moses and Elijah start to leave. But then Peter, ever uh, tempestuous and rambunctious Peter, he barges in and exclaims this, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's make three dwellings, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And so what's he saying? What he's doing there is he's making the mistake that's easy for us to make when it comes to our faith, our Christian faith. Um, By offering to set up camp altogether, 
up there on the mountain. Peter is in effect saying when it comes to faith, we need a little bit of the law, that's Moses. And we need a little bit of like powerful spirituality, that's Elijah. And we need a little bit of, well, whatever Jesus has to offer, but in his mind, he's not really clear about what that is yet. Now, how does that translate from the mountain all the way back then to you and me right now today? Well, I'll tell you what I think. Moses on the mountain, of course, represents God's law. And what is God's law? Shorthand, of course, it's knowing what's right, knowing what's right to do, knowing what is best. And then, by gosh, you just go ahead and you do it. Now, um, I don't know about you, but when, when things or people or relationships feel a little out of control, that's when I want to turn back to the law and like just right the ship with the law. We, we need, for instance, with children to lay down the law with children. Here's an example of that in a book called Foreverland uh, by author Heather Haverleski, uh, which was, by the way, in the New York Times book review on Sunday. Um, she describes using the law with her nine-year-old stepson in a game of Monopoly. Now, uh, the game was going badly for Zeke, who's the nine-year-old, and he started seeing that he had no chance of winning this game. And Heather writes, I can see a light going on behind his eyes. Quote, this game is just a sadistic form of punishment. It is not a game at all. Or maybe this woman is just a sadistic, selfish human being. She is not a parent at all. And then she says, Zeke landed on one of my hotels on a pink property. I said, just mortgage your reds and you don't need them right now. And he said, I'm going to lose, which was accurate. And I said, you can't quit. You can't quit. That's not how you play this game. You have to play to the end. She writes, this is where things get a little tragic. Bill and I were both raised by parents firmly focused on turning us into hard-working soldiers. We were hard on ourselves and each other. We believed in toughness and never giving up. Zeke started crying. This put Bill in a rough spot as a parent. Back your sadistic wife or you're not that resilient child. Was this a good lesson for your wife or your son? Or you just throw the wretched game out the window? Well, you get the picture. You see how the law creeps into every little small detail of our lives. Now, let me be clear. The law makes some headway in the short run, but in the end, it always fails. Because if the law had worked, it would have lurked at the very beginning when Moses came down from the mountain with the law, with his face shining. That was the first instance uh, on that mountain, as someone said, of information being downloaded from the cloud. <laughs> well, we have that information, but what we, did we do with it? We broke it, and we can't follow it. That is the problem with the law. Now, let's go to Elijah. He represents what I'm calling spirituality. And um, prophets, he was a prophet, of course, and he was one with great charisma. He performed miracles, powerful miracles. He called down fire on his enemies. He represented a God of power, a God who could subdue the enemies, a God who answered prayer in spectacular ways. You might say he was the God of the mountaintop experience. 
Now, who doesn't love a mountaintop experience? Obviously, that's what P Peter wanted to set up camp there and stay in the mountaintop. But you know from your experience, life's not lived that way, is it? The mountaintop experiences don't last. They, they don't. They come, they go, and once again, you find yourself at 3 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon or whatever it is, you just find yourself in your life. And sometimes a valley, sometimes just sort of um, boredom. Life is not a mountaintop experience. No Moses, no Elijah. That's why God himself joins the conversation at this point. In response to Peter's suggestion, this text says, a voice from the cloud came and said, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. And then what I believe we have the key line in the whole account of the transfiguration. It's sort of a throwaway line, but it's not. It says this, the, Luke says this, when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. Jesus was found alone. The law and the prophets have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The reformers rightly used the phrase solus Christus, Christ alone. What does that mean for you and for me in our, in our days when we're struggling to get through? It means that all of our hope and all of our trust and all of our faith, 100% of it is not in ourselves, not in the law, not in spirituality, but in Christ alone and his atoning work on the cross for our sake. In Christ alone, who would descend the mountain to make his departure alone, be crucified alone. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. I'll close with a, what I believe to be a very moving account of a man confessing Christ alone. This man is a man that knew strife and pain and weariness of the worlds that, that few of us can actually even imagine. Um, I'm talking about Frederick Douglass, who was, of course, born into slavery. And uh, there's a HBO series on his, his, his speeches right now. He was uh, born into slavery, but supported and appointed by God to become the great orator of liberation. And these are his words from Frederick Douglass. Since I was not more than 13 years old, when in my loneliness and destitution, I longed for someone to whom I could go as a father, as a protector. The preaching of a white Methodist minister was the means of causing me to feel that in God I had such a friend. He thought that all men, great and small, bond and free, were sinners in the sight of God. That they were by nature rebels against his government. That they must repent of their sins and be reconciled to God through Christ alone. I cannot say that I had a very distinct notion of what was required of me, but one thing I did know well, I was wretched and had no means of making myself otherwise. Consulted a colored man who in tones of holy affection told me to pray and to quote, cast all my care upon God. This I thought sought to do. And though for weeks 
I was a poor, broken-hearted mourner, traveling through doubts and fears. I finally found my burden lightened, my heart relieved. I loved all mankind, slaveholders not accepted. I saw the world in a new light. When that light shone out of Jesus's very being on the Mount of Transfiguration, that is the light of grace that has dawned and did dawn upon the world. Jesus in the field, Jesus on the boat, Jesus in this church, Jesus on the mountain, and Jesus will win in the end. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.